customers lead the way into a disruption, their behaviors, and they are early indicators of what the next normal is going to look like coming out of a disruption. I'm Emily Williams, the founder of I Heart My Life and your I Heart My Life show host. I always say I'm just a girl from Ohio with really big dreams. And now I work from home running a dream business that helps you achieve your goals and create more joy in your life. This podcast is all about all the topics that really matter to you. And it's about giving you everything you need in one place. Mindset, relationships, wellness, lifestyle, money, business, and career. We have it all. This is your one-stop shop for all things personal development meets lifestyle. So pull up a seat, get out a pen and paper, and get ready to learn. It's time to create a life that's better than your dreams with the I Heart My Life show. This is episode 255, How to Navigate Disruption in Life and Business with David Gearsdorf. So we all know it's been an interesting few years with COVID and all the ups and downs in the world. And David is here to talk to us about how to handle disruption and unexpected happenings in your life and or business. So he is not new to disruption. His family actually lost their thriving tourist business years ago. And once that happened, he felt called to prepare himself and those around him for brutal storms that could potentially lie ahead. I really love this conversation with David because it was real and raw and it wasn't painting a pretty picture on everything that occurs in life and business. It was about getting into the weeds and being real with one another. And I find David to be just so wise. He's so seasoned in business and in life. And it was just so enlightening to have his perspective on how to handle the challenges and all the ups and downs. So if this is of interest to you too, go ahead and dive in and enjoy this episode. Welcome to the I Heart My Life show, David. I'm so excited to have this time with you. Emily, it's a pleasure to be with you and congratulations to you for uh, the great contribution you make through this uh, vehicle of your podcast as, as well as so many other ways, uh, your audience. And it's just wonderful uh, to connect with folks like yourself who make big contributions to others. Thank you. And likewise, I'm honored to have this time with you. You have such a vast amount of experience in the entrepreneurship space and working with lots of different companies. So I know we're going to get into all of that today. So why don't you take us back and talk a little bit about your journey to getting to this point and ultimately uncovering that you are a master when it comes to disruption, which is not a topic we've had on this show before. So tell us how that came to be. Well, I'm glad it's a new topic, but it's certainly a familiar topic to all, whether in your business, in your career or in your life. I see them as all interconnected, actually. For better or worse, I've lived a life of disruption in a way. I was born in the front here of Alaska, raised by a single parent, AAA entrepreneur father, which was unique in those times. We built an amazing cruise and travel company that began in Alaska with very authentic, unique experiences, small ships, Arctic communities, intense nature experiences. And that branched out more globally as we built more ships and took our unique way of travel and discovery to different destinations. Uh, we sold that business, a majority of that business to a larger, much larger company. And within three years, it was disastrous. We lost everything that we had spent so many years uh, working for and had to restart and rebuild. And uh, I learned a lot of lessons, both in building that sizable family company and also in the great disruption of merging and, and then uh, losing control and then ultimately losing our life's work. Now, your life's work never goes away. Find ways to apply it in new ways. And that's one of the great things about disruption that you learn over time is with each disruption comes new opportunity and you have to hold that mindset 
mindset in order to see those opportunities out there around the near corner and grab a hold of them, as I say, to pull yourself forward uh, to a better time and place. And so I went from that family experience into the global uh, cruise industry, where I became a senior executive and the CEO and president of several iconic cruise lines. I have an experience that goes from intensely entrepreneurial to intensely publicly traded and large, and that has served me well. It's a unique profile. It's a unique mindset. Uh, in the big business world, I was known as a creative problem solver, a creative leader, a passionate leader. And that all came from the roots and DNA of my life with an entrepreneurial father and building a, a family business. Amazing. So I also grew up with an entrepreneurial father and both my grandpas ran businesses. And so I definitely resonate with that. So I'm curious Great. to know when you say we, the family business was started by your dad and then you jumped on board as a, an adult? In a way, my father remarried when I was in my early teens. So my, and my father was a executive in the airline industry. So I kind of was born into travel and tourism. Uh, Alaska Airlines, fabulous company. I lived through the emerging of that great airline brand from just Alaska to a national and international carrier. So when I was 15, my father left the airline and started, pursued this uh, concept of a tourism company in Alaska. It was all hands on deck. My father, my stepmother, my sister and I, that was it. Wow. That was us. And we started from that place. And ultimately, you know, 450 passionate, committed uh, team members and employees, dozens of uh, other stakeholders and partners and supporters of the business and tens of thousands of customers. So that's the big we. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And I totally, again, resonate with losing things as well. My dad actually lost his business and had to file bankruptcy back in 2008. And so I've seen, you know, the polarity of success and then losing everything. But I'm curious to know, you know, your family, you went through a merger and then it was, you saw it from a different perspective. What was it that, what mistakes were made that caused that company to go under and experience disruption? Yeah, a few key items come to mind. Number one, we merged a completely entrepreneurial seat of the pants bootstrap, sizable, but the culture of that company was very hands-on, very not MBA mm -hmm. in its approach to business, you know, opportunistic, re reactive, and, and good at those kinds of things. We merged with a Fortune 50, one of the biggest, most disciplined, most sophisticated, most uh, buttoned down uh, business environments you could possibly become a part of. It was a natural attraction of opposites with great ideas and, and great possibilities. Uh, what Here's a mistake we made. With all their size and success in these suites full of MBAs, you know, Know, and advisors and analysts and consultants, they must know more than we do. That was number one. No one knows yeah. more about your business than you do, period. So, yeah. so going board meetings, decisions, uh, looking at the numbers, listening to their analysis, saying, okay, we'll do it that way. You must be right. That was quite different from our way of doing things. The and second, did you guys have a feeling, you know, in your gut that it wasn't the right decision, but you just said yes anyway? Well, we had concerns. You know, my father was the point man. He was the founder of the company, but we all served on the board and we all participated in the, all the decisions and implementation. But I will say my father started to push back. And these were not folks who are used to pushback. Right. They're used to making decisions, command and control, execute, execute, execute. So the relationship became strained in that regard, it became hard to communicate. Transparency wasn't as easy. We lost a lot of value that goes along with a positive relationship. Got it. The other thing that uh, was a big lesson was we were a rounding error, if that, for a multi-billion dollar organization 
communication. So when we faced challenge, we weren't fully aligned. Their alignment was, how can this hurt us, not how can it help us? And we can get out of this at any time and no one will even, even know it existed. It won't even show up as a blip in our quarterly financials. Mm. So that's a different mindset than our whole life is depending on the this business. Hey, payroll is next Friday. We have to pay attention to cash flow. Those That's a different mindset. So we just found ourselves in such a radically different situation. Unfortunately, one that, that became strained. And it was those types of things that led to the decision. You know, all the funding was from this new parent company. The decision not to go forward with the business and try as we might to figure out a way around and through that. Uh, we couldn't. That The capital requirements, we'd grown over that three years. The capital requirements were enormous to take it back, to, to turn things around. And I'll never forget in our last meeting with that larger company, uh, my father and I were on a flight home uh, to Seattle where we were based at the time. And he was sitting next to me and it was clear from that meeting that there was no, we weren't going to get any help. There wasn't a path. My father looked at me and he said, you know, I wouldn't change a single thing. And I took that not to mean we didn't make mistakes along the way and we couldn't, because we always strove to do better and to improve. I took it to mean, I accept that we did amazing things. We did amazing things. Look what we did out of nothing. We built this, we sold it, we grew it further. Fine. We've reached a dead end, but I wouldn't change a single thing about that experience, about how we got there. That's not worth dwelling on. What I'm, What's worth dwelling on is what's yeah. next. That was a big lesson to hear from such a, you know, all of our lives were upended. We were just completely upended. My, I had a young family. Yeah, my father worked his whole career to build. It was just horrible. Yeah. But that was a life lesson for me. That, that one little snippet uh, from my father. And for sure, as you experienced, your identity is so uh, wrapped up in a privately owned and built company. It's your whole identity. There's no line between personal and, and business as we talk about in larger corporations, work-life balance. No, there's just the company, the vision, the mission. So that, it's a huge loss when that comes to an end. Yeah, of course. And you explaining that, I appreciate those words so much because it actually makes me feel really emotional because I think of how many times I'm so resistant to change or I get so upset when things don't work out. And there's so much power in that acceptance. And it actually helps you, you know, to see clearly sooner and to move move on sooner and, you know, just not be so stuck in how you thought something was supposed to go. So thank you for sharing that. Oh, you bet. I've always thought that um, to deny your role in a failure is to deny your power, Mm. your power, your ability to participate and make a contribution. You're not a victim. You're a player on the field. You missed the shot. Great. Take another shot. The the other players ran over you and knocked you down. (laughs) Great. Get up. Catch up. You know, you're a player. I always see it as I'm a player on the field. I have a role here. I'm having an impact, whether it's the exact impact I want to have or not. I'm having an impact and I have to take responsibility for that impact. And if I'm falling short, I'm responsible for that. If the whole thing went to went sideways, well, I was part of that whole group. That so that's important to accept. I think your role in it. We're so focused on success and failure, black and white. And I'm less interested in your successes and your failures. I'm more interested in what did you learn? And from that, what did you do next? And from that, how are you contributing? That's, you know, there's more lessons in failure than success for sure and different types of lessons. So let's, why don't we pay attention more to that? Because we are going to go on. We have to go on. So let's not treat failure like it's the end of the world. Let's treat it like it's a, you know, it's another form of stepping stone to the next future. And so what did your future look like next after that experience? Is that when you started to discover this path 
passion for disruption or when did that come to be? Really, my future from there was I was catapulted into, through job search, catapulted into the global cruise industry. That's which, right, yeah. You know, it was in its early stages at that point. It's quite an amazing industry today, but it was just starting to expand globally, expand in terms of types of ships and cruises and, and uh, segments of the business. And uh, I was the world's leading expert in small ship cruising and marketing because that's the kind of company we built. And I was immediately recruited into a very large cruise group that had just acquired and a small cruise line and knew they didn't have the culture and the entrepreneurial chops within their organization to really succeed and integrate with the smaller experiential cruise brand. So that was my first opportunity. I worked my way up into the C-suite running quite large businesses, publicly traded and private equity backed mergers and acquisitions, uh, global, all seven continent operations, billion dollar plus portfolios of revenue and product experiences to deliver. And that is where I really started to refine my thoughts about disruption because the cruise industry needs every Everything to go perfectly to deliver unbelievable customer experience. It's the highest rated vacation experience in the world. So we have all these factors, whether geopolitical developments, economic developments, health developments that conspire to make it difficult to deliver that perfect experience day in and day out, 24-7 on every waterway of the world in every continent of the world. And so it's a tough business. It looks glamorous on the outside. It is glamorous and wonderful. It's a people's business, but it's also intensely operational. And learning how to get through SARS-1, Gulf War, the, the Great Recession, so many things, uh, yet uh, remain resilient, keep growing, make adjustments as necessary, learn the lessons, make ourselves less collision, more collision-proof, <laughs> the next time around. So a lot of things there, I, I think, contributed. And I'm a journaler. I've kept journals for decades and I journal my business experiences and insights as well as my personal and life. And so I had this idea of hard ships. Probably 20 years ago, I copyrighted, you know, and started jotting down some notes. And I had these decades of journals that I could go back to and really recap what was that disruption? How did it impact the business and myself and my life and my career? And what did I do about it? What was that? outcome. And that gave me some great insight. And when COVID arrived on the scene, I knew it was time for the message. I've always wanted to contribute in meaningful ways. And I felt that my message around navigating disruption and the other side of that is recovery, disruption and recovery would be uh, something I'd feel really good about contributing. So I went about the work of getting the book written and published and available. Yeah, I love it. So you're referring to the book Hardships, Navigating Your Company Career in Life Through, fate, through the Fog of Disruption, which is an yes. amazing title. Thank so you. can you define for us, how would you define disruption? Disruption is a change in circumstances. You know, we're all good at uh, operating in uh, fair weather and fair seas. Let's say we assume and expect it to go on forever. It never does, but that's how we behave. But disruption is that event or circumstance that uh, changes the trajectory and the expectations under which you are operating. And I like to think that there's two types of disruption, at least that's my experience. Sudden jolt disruptions, 9-11, out of nowhere, boom, hard, severe, impactful, immediate impacts on businesses, life, economies, et cetera. There's another type of disruption, and I call 
call that slow leak disruption. To me, COVID has been a slow leak disruption. Shows up in a part of the world. What is this? Seems manageable, we, you know, and then it just evolves and evolves and evolves. And what today in the news, we have yet a new variant coming out of another part of the world, which may or may not be a big concern, but remains to be seen. So that's a slow leak disruption. I uh, was with a very large company, 125 years old, a stellar conservative perfection, do things the same way all the time brand. And we were becoming irrelevant. We were becoming disrupted by time, by competition, by changing consumer preferences. And we had to take some huge actions to get back on track with the marketplace. So that can be a slow leak disruption. It's just time and lack of taking the right actions along the way. And you are, you just described a few signs, you know, not being relevant with the marketplace. Are there any other signs that someone could look for to know if they're experiencing this slow leak disruption? Well, I would say the first thing I always look to is the behavior and attitude of my customers. Customers lead the way into a disruption, their behaviors, and they are early indicators of what the next normal is going to look like coming out of a disruption. So I pay very close attention. I always have to behavior of my customers, especially the repeat customer. When you see shifts, pay close attention, get to the bottom of it. Another thing, of course, is uh, within our employee base, within your team, the, the expertise, the diversity that you have within your team, those folks are living in the real world. Changes in their attitudes, behaviors, commitments to the company, leaving the company. We're seeing the great departure <laughs> taking place across the, uh, the employment world today with so many people opting out of uh, their past jobs and careers because of changed circumstances. So those are early signals to me. I also look and follow carefully competitors in my industry. What's happening over there? Something new? Why? Where'd that come from? Is that going to affect us? Is there anything I can do about that? And I look at what I call adjacent industries. Industries that serve my type of customer have certain similar characteristics, but are not you know, directly in my space. Because sometimes you can see something coming from further out in these concentric rings that's going to work its way in <laughs> towards you. Yeah. Love that. And so I know that you have a lot of methodologies around how to actually handle disruption. So can you walk us through all of that? Yes, I established, uh, codified this into six protocols. Protocols of practice that you develop, become good at, and stay current at, not doing so to your peril. So I talk about the six protocols and I have one mindset. I accept what's hard. I call it the endurance mindset. The endurance mindset's about getting to the finish line no matter what. I'm an endurance athlete, Ironman, other extreme endurance sports, and I've learned a lot about the role the mind plays in getting through uh, tough circumstances. But my six protocols, first of all, know your waypoint. When things change, uh, we tend to react. We tend to make assumptions. We don't want that change. We want to get right back to our plan, the track we were on. We want to fight the world. And I say, slow down, stop if you have to, and reassess, where am I now? What's the truth, the absolute truth? Where am I now? A leader's job is to seek that clarity. And you won't always get it from your stakeholders. Your stakeholders have agendas. They want you back on the track they like you being on, mm -hmm. you know? So I say, know your waypoint, uh, get real clear, seek the truth, accept what needs to be accepted, get the bad news out of the way, clear the deck so that you can make mark go forward decisions. You had a person on your show not too long ago, Dr. Greg Wells. Yes. 
And he has the, well, he is a brilliant guy, but he has uh, the idea of slow down to speed up. Yep. Very much in line with the find your waypoint. Slow down here. <laughs> it's okay. It's critically important to do so. I actually Get, really I, love that as well, because I feel like sometimes we're so emotional in those moments and we can't actually see clearly. And it's not the time to make <laughs> important decisions. We need to kind of recalibrate and reset first. You're absolutely right. The second thing, once you know your waypoint, a lot of people think, think the next thing to do is what's my next action? And we'll get to that. But I, I believe the next thing to do is stay afloat. Okay. My circumstances have changed. I'm clear, you know, on where I am at this point in time and what dots got me to this stage. Now, if I'm going to move forward, I better make sure I have the appropriate resources that I can sustain a period of time of change. So let's stop and make assessment financially, talent, technology, you know, strategy. I, I have to stay afloat. I have to make sure I've got, and if I don't see that I have the resources to do so, I have to deal with that before I take my next action. I've got to be clear in my mind and in my strategy as to how I'm going to weather this storm. You know, I call it, uh, I wrote a poem in the front of my book. You might enjoy it if you read it sometime, but I had a friend Raise, bail, steer, repair, repeat, bail, steer, repair, repeat, stand afloat. You know, you yeah. got to stay afloat. Right. So my third protocol then is find your first first. What's that one next action? There's dozens that you should and could take. But what's the one that if you screw it up or if you fail to take it, you're going to prolong or reduce your chances of a successful recovery? You have to really cut through all of those possible actions and get down to the one that's so true and core to the DNA of your organization or your life. That's what you're going to build everything around. Find your first 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 and start moving on that path. Then you can add the other activities, but always keep at the center that first first concept. Next is get flexible. Things have changed. So should you. So should your thinking. So should your approach. You know, what? how can you partner with the future differently? What do these changes and the response of the world around those changes suggest to you in terms of new opportunities or new risks that uh, you need to become open-minded personally, organizationally, um, career-wide to addressing in order to have a success recovery. I just want to interrupt you really quick. Yeah. I love that one because it also, it lets us know that this is happening for us, not to us. Like yes. there's something that's going on there that you can learn from and help that will help you adjust and do things differently for your benefit. Yes. You know, the rigor of the, the I call it the tyranny of the quarterly earnings. And I lived many years of my career in that world of quarterly earnings and the street and the financial focus and intensity. That does not create a great environment of flexibility. And that's why we see so often big companies disrupted by small companies. They, it's a lack of flexibility, even in times of, uh, of challenge. It's yeah. just all they know how to do is you know, hang on to the, the beloved processes and procedures. And, right. You know, so, and in the good times, those are great skills to have in challenging times uh, that can be limiters. Yeah. The fifth protocol I call become collision proof. And I talk about the importance of learning the lessons from each disruption that you've been through and incorporating those into your daily operating uh, life in order that you don't have to experience the same disruptions over again. Or if you run into them, now you have a better playbook for and method of uh, dealing with them and reducing their impact. I like the idea of what I call a incident response plan. So in the airline industry, in the cruise industry, in any public transportation industry, many areas, we have very detailed incident response plans. We know 
something, it's not a matter if something's going to happen. It's when, where, and how bad. And uh, we know we may have to galvanize our entire organizations around something extreme rapidly. Mm -hmm. So we have uh, very clear incident response plans to say, if this, then that. Here's who's responsible. Here's here's who goes where. And so it's, it's designed to make sure we respond appropriately, safety of life and care of our, our team members, et cetera. Then key assets, uh, the, the environment, key assets of our business, et cetera. And lastly, you know, getting back to working our way back to a recovery from the incident. But mostly it's about a proper handling of the incident. Uh, we all have, I think, um, incident response plans in a way. We have a will. <laughs> we might have a living will, a health directive, but life isn't about death. <laughs> so I think it's appropriate, even at a personal level, to have a type of incident response plan for ourselves. If something happens, who uh, needs to know certain pieces of information? Who can help me? Who will I rely on? Who will I contact? Who's my bankers, my lawyers, my family, my friends? Important. The second part of that becoming collision-proof is risk assessment. It's important to take some time, look at the landscape, and identify where the risks are to your organization, to your life, to your career, and take steps to mitigate those risks. It starts with awareness, and then it starts with a plan of action around how do I, that's a real risk. It could happen. How do I take steps to reduce the likelihood of it happening in my area? Or if it does happen, how do I ensure that it has the least impact possible? And I would say in a disruption, new risks are emerging around the corner. It's really important in change when your circumstances are changing to recognize that there's probably some change in your risk assessment that needs to be done. Some new things coming. Yeah. Yeah. I love all that because so often, especially in the space that I'm in with coaches and consultants, we want to remain positive. We want to make sure that our mind is not focused on what could go wrong, but we look at what could go right and what we want and what we desire. But like you said, it's not really a matter of if it's a matter of when all businesses go through something, go through challenges. And if you're better prepared, then it's not going to surprise you. And you're going to be able to move through it quicker and not be at least what I'm experiencing, what, what I've experienced, be so emotional about it or surprised that it's happening. It's more just like black and white. This is our protocol. We move on and we learn and we just, we keep moving forward. You're right. And you've mentioned that a couple of times. I couldn't agree more. The importance of uh, tamping down the reactive yeah. part so that, uh, especially for a leader, so that you can be the calm in the storm. I call it being a beacon. You know, we have North Stars, we have lighthouses, we have buoys with lights mm-hmm. on them. You know, those are beacons we can navigate by. I believe people can be beacons. And it's really important as a leader to develop yourself as a beacon that in times of difficulty, others look to automatically as yeah. the person who can best define what's happening to us, why it's happening, what we can do about it, where do we go from here? It's really yeah. important. And as a leader, developing other people, develop others as beacons as well, because the more beacons you have, the brighter light you have to shine mm-hmm. on any particular problem that might emerge. I love so that. So I agree yeah. with you uh, on those points. The last protocol is protect your value. And this speaks as well to the reactive situation. When the whole world's going crazy around you and people are discounting their services and their prices in response to a change in the marketplace, or they're cutting the quality or reducing service, don't do that. You're actually setting up a situation where you're competing with your future self, you're devaluing your brand, your service, your product in the eyes of your most important customers, the people who are going to drive your recovery. And so I I speak a lot about ways to protect your value, how to think about that and how to do it. Reduce inventory so you can 
maintain pricing power. Uh, there's all, you know, there's a number of things that I learned being in a tough business where your product is perishable. If we don't sell a cruise bed, it's gone forever. It's not like it's still on the shelf and we can sell it next month when demand improves. So staying ahead of the demand curve, keeping price in demand and, and volume all in alignment. And We've had to make some extreme decisions about moving ships, about laying up ships, lots of things to protect the value for the long term. You can undermine and set back for years to recover your business if you make poor decisions in the throes of a uh, disruption. Thank you for describing all of that to us. And I think it's important to highlight, we have listeners who aren't business owners, that you can use this to apply, you can apply this to your life as well when you're experiencing disruption or challenge. It's true. You know, I have a lot of friends who've been disrupted in this period, lost their job, careers kind of on pause, uh, looking for the next thing. And I always start with recognize your value. Own it. You've, you've got, had a great career. You've contributed so much. You know more than you possibly probably imagine. Recognize your value. Secondly, show up in a way that demonstrates you are locked in to the future and you intend to continue contributing great value through your career and through your life. I don't want to hear how terrible this is. I don't want you to show up in your pajamas on the Zoom call. I want you to show up talking to me about what you see on the other side of this and where you're building your skills, changing your mindset and planning to contribute more, you know, and next. And uh, so I try to help change that mindset because and it's hard. You're alone. You're scared. You're somewhat lost in the fog of all this disruption. You've had a hundred applications and interviews and something hasn't happened, but, and the world can beat you down, but don't let it. And that was my last part of my book is where I talk about the endurance mindset, you know, and how the mind carries the body at a certain point in every long race and event I've ever been in, no matter the training, no matter how great I was at fueling myself, did all the protocols. There's a point at which, you know, in those dark, last miles, the mind carries the body. And you have to learn how to tap into that, learn how to keep a focus on the finish line. Okay, the weather's terrible. We're in a storm. Like, you know, my original race plan, I'm sick. My plan is off, is no longer what I trained for or what I started the race for. But I can make changes and I will make changes because I am going to cross that finish line. And I think we all need to realize how strong we are. And especially when we tap into our mind and we can develop that mindset. And I suggest do it before you need it. For sure. Yeah. One of my favorite Peloton instructors, she always says, your mind is your strongest muscle, which I love. And that's one of the reasons we start all of our programs with mindset is because, you know, people can learn every strategy in the world, but if you're giving up too quickly or you don't know how to make it through those challenges, you're not going to get very far. So I think that's, it's just imperative that people strengthen that muscle. I agree. I agree. So I'm curious to know a few things. The first one is you've had such an incredible career. And like you said, such a, a variety of different roles. What are you most proud of? Well, I, I still go back to what we built in the family business because it was so uh, completely new, so pioneering, so creative and so authentic. I'm really proud of that. I'm proud of the fact that in my career, not trained for big business. I wasn't brought up for big business. I didn't go to Harvard, you know, all of those things that I was able to hold my own in the boardrooms through experience and quick mind. And that led to my being elected by my peers in the worldwide cruise industry as the um, chairman of the Global Industry Association, Cruise Line International Association. I was very proud of uh, from where I came from to play that kind of a role. And, uh, you know, in the last 
15 years, I've done those things that I'm most passionate about. I help companies solve tough problems. I help companies create new. I help companies identify opportunities around merger and acquisition. It's very creative. Yeah. It's in my space. I love it. I love working with people who are seeking to do better and to make change and have an impact. Mm, beautiful. And one of the questions we ask all of our guests on the I Heart My Life show is what is one way people can create a life that's better than their dreams? Doing it. <laughs> I, I, I mean, it seems, Love it. it. It seems simplistic, but we can prepare and prepare and prepare and study and study and study and follow other people and what they did. But you know, there's a point at which you have to jump off the cliff or the diving board and have mm -hmm. faith in yourself and do it. I call it footprint in the future. So until you make a tangible commitment to a next step into the future, put one foot over there, you've got no chance of pulling the rest of your body across. So I think about leaning into it, making a real commitment to that life of your dreams, that direction you want to go, plant a foot, skin in the game, do it. Take action, 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 action. You can get there. So that's my advice. Do it. Yeah, It's in the doing. Thank you. So good. So where can people find you as well as the book? Very active on LinkedIn. David Geersdorf on LinkedIn. Be a pleasure to connect with folks in that way. I can be reached through davidgeersdorf.com where I have uh, some articles, where I have a newsletter sign up, where uh, it's easy to contact me for business inquiries. Can I help? Yes, I can help. It just depends on the circumstance. Uh, I'd love to help add value to people's uh, uh, objectives. Uh, so those, and the book is available on Amazon. I have a right. real easy way to find it, www.gethardships.com. Perfect. We'll link all of that in the show notes. Well, I so appreciate you being here and just sharing all of your wisdom with us. Like I said, it really resonates for me as somebody who is a small business owner. And I've experienced a lot of ups and downs in my short eight years. And I know there's more to come. So I'm just Indeed. grateful to have this wealth of knowledge in the book and with the protocols. And I hope everyone applies it to not only their business, but their life, because I feel like it's just so powerful and useful and just a great go-to when times get get tough. Great. Well, I really appreciate that. And again, thank you so much for having me on your podcast and uh, give me an opportunity to share with your audience. You're so welcome. Thank you, David. Right. Onward. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the I Heart My Life show. Now do us a favor and tell people about this episode. It's truly our duty to make sure that the I Heart My Life movement is spread far and wide. The truth is life can be challenging, but it is possible for all women to love themselves and their lives. And while you're at it, send a link to this episode to three of your friends today, or maybe even post it on social media. Use the hashtag I hurt my life show. That's hashtag I hurt my life show. And if you'd like to help me personally, then please rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Give us some stars, cheer us on and leave a review because believe it or not, that stuff actually really does help. And I read all of them. Please remember everything you desire is meant for you and possible. Keep showing up, taking action and believing in your dreams.